This is the way. This is the way. Follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter, uh, Rule the Galaxy SW at gmail.com, or just Rule the Galaxy on YouTube or Facebook. We don't do a lot of Facebook for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, um, but enough of me because we've got great guests, our regular co hosts. Uh, another one will be hopping on in a minute, and we've got one of our just best, most fun guests we have on here. Lots of energy, and he always talks about buying Star Wars toys in Indiana someday. But uh, I'll go around the room and introduce everybody. Uh, we'll start off with my cousin Alfie, because I like to do things alphabetical order. Alfie, how are you, sir? Uh, I think Alfie's on mute. He might. No, be... Alfie's Alfie's signing today's show. I think Alfie. <laughs> this is why you got to check out the YouTube okay. page. Right. There we go. That's Alfie's right. back. Gotta yeah. see it okay. on video, or else. Got yeah. unplugged there for a second. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, doing good. I've had a real struggle today to contain myself after this episode. I've been hyped all day long, and now my mind is completely blank. So, well, that's okay. We'll, that's how it works. We'll stir things up. You'll that'll all come back to you here in a minute. Uh, my other cousin Nick. My, I have many cousins, but one of my other cousins, Nick Shesky. Nick, brother, so glad to have you back. How you doing, man? Man, I'm glad to be back. I'll tell you, I uh, life has been crazy busy, and yet our little group text that we have has been keeping me afloat. I've been. <laughs> off social media, you know, kind of running. And yet this morning at 445, five o'clock in the morning, I'm getting texts from Alfie of, oh my God, I can't contain my excitement. This is amazing. And I, I finally got to watch it this afternoon and it did not disappoint. And so I'll stop talking so we can start talking about what really matters, uh, what matters here. No, no, that's okay. I, I, I'm glad, look, you're, you're right. Life does get in the way. I was telling you guys beforehand, work has been a bear the last few days. I've been you know, just zooming through it as much as I can. And I was actually typing an email when Alfie popped on before we started tonight. So I get it. And you've got young kids. So I know you guys are facing it. You know, me, me and our next guest right here, our, our, you know, our, our co our special guest tonight, we don't have to worry about those little kids to chase around anymore right now. So let's get over to this young man who's on YouTube. If you're watching, he is wearing his uh, Columbia. Is that right? That's yeah, Columbia right Boba Fett yeah. coat, parka, whatever. Yeah, how are you, Scott Rifen? I am superb. I'm absolutely. Can you tell? I'm in a what is it, seventy degrees in the house, and I'm wearing this gigantically thick <laughs> coat. So, I mean, how can I not be great, right? Man, I, it's gorgeous. You know what? Uh, I, I'm glad you got one of those. I don't think it's on my um, my to do list right now. Maybe, maybe if gonna, uh, somebody leaves me some money, I'll do that. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, one day when you have an entire episode to devote to the story of my getting this jacket, we will do it. But it is literally an episode, the entire story. You know what? We'll we'll do a my Star Wars story just about the parka. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that'll be the. Uh, I'm Scott's jacket, and this is my Star Wars story because that's what I mean. It's really that's that's what it's going to be. So hey, I, you uh, know, I'm excited because this week we we saw in the book of Boba Fett, that the Mandalorians were really the first people with a mask mandate. 
And that oh, is exciting to me. Man. Wow. We are. Oh, that's great. That's the first I've heard that. And I love well, it. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they have, they adhered to theirs now. True. They did. They, they yeah. can't see you if you, if you take it off. So clearly, like, clearly. Wow. Mask mandate. Somebody mm-hmm. tweet that Alfie, Nick, Scott, tweet that. Um, Three minutes in show's been canceled. Here we go. <laughs> well, speaking of that, speaking of that, I will say this. Um, my son, who was very excited about today's episode, Joey, just tweeted out, so excited, you know, th- this episode had so much energy, and he put a picture, and it was an old picture from Mandalorian season two of, mm-hmm. of Mando, Boba, and Finnick just sitting out there, you know, where Baby Grogu was on the rock. And um, some guy tweeted back at us, I'm not going to say his name, and called either me or joey because i retweeted it It, they called us a dick for putting that picture out there and i thought wow feel the love in the star wars community no no look let's face it last week's episode had the mandalorian theme throughout it leading into this week's episode every person in the world even starwars.com tweeted the mandalorian theme before this show came out and joey had a picture of the mandalorian on and i look this person if you're a listener I'm not mad at you. I just maybe just I'm say, hey, spoiler yeah, alert. You can be mad. You don't it's have okay. to throw the dick you dial it down a little hey. bit. <laughs> Joe, Joe, do yourself a favor. Do not tweet out a picture of President Kennedy. We don't want to have to get into all that whole thing. <laughs> you don't want to ruin that the, the ending of that one for wow. him. Wow. So yeah. Or Titanic. I guess I should yeah, not t- put anything yeah. on that. So um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I'm 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 okay. It was just funny that it went to that level that quick. I was like, wow. We're going right in. So um, that's that, that's the internet thing. And you know what that is? And I have this big, big theory about this. It's not, it's not an episode worth. It's okay. But it's it okay. is literally people, when they don't have to look you in the eye and mm-hmm. say it, they will say whatever. But if they had to look you in the eye, they would never go there. And you would find a way to work it out. But that that's, you know, yeah. internet, I'm only looking at my keyboard. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that, you know, your keyboard is soulless. It is that nice actually seems buffer. pretty... That seems pretty What's on it? par with the dumpster fire that is Twitter, Star Wars. Well, so. well, you know, you know what my nickname for Twitter is, right? I believe Twitter. I've heard it before. Toilet paper, maybe. Twitter is the toilet paper of the internet because it comes, <laughs> it comes in small pieces and it's covered in crap. So that is exactly like that. what Twitter is. I couldn't I like remember that. algebra, but I can remember. Scott Riefen's comments about Twitter. Well, there you go. Which one will serve you better in life? Let's be honest here. This is true. Alfie, you were going to say something. Wasn't it Tyson, Mike Tyson, who said something similar to that? Like, not enough people have been hit hard enough in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Now we're threatening violence against the listeners. No, we are. We are pacifists. We are Satine Crees. I mean, we are, you know. um, Well, I'll tell you what, we didn't. Outside of Book of Boba Fett, we were talking before, not overly newsworthy week here uh, in Star Wars because we were all focused on this. But uh, a couple of things I do want to bring up before we hopped into the Book of Boba Fett episode that was today. And by the way, uh, D-Doc, one of our regular co-hosts, will be on here momentarily. He's uh, putting kids to bed, which good for him. Again, another one of you youngsters with these kids. Um, one... I I will throw this out there. Uh, about a week or so ago, I asked people, I said, here's my Star Wars top 10 char- character list. I would love to hear yours. And we had like 14 or 15 people uh, write me back on Twitter and, and, and give me their top 10 list. And it was a very 
wide array of characters. And um, so I, I will tell you that after 14 or 15 people sent that over to me, uh, I'll give you the, the rankings from, from 10. Well, I can't because, yeah. Well, no, I can't. Uh, from number 10 back, I believe, right here. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Okay. We're good. Uh, there were some ties. So I'll just start from backwards to, to the countdown. Um, on the bottom of the list, the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, makes the top 10. Wow. I was pretty surprised about that, actually. Uh, also coming up from the bottom, Ahsoka. I thought she would have been higher, actually, on Twitter, but she's in the top 10. Uh, number should be right around number eight, uh, Boba Fett. Uh, the, the next one on the list, R2-D2, followed up by Captain Rex, which that one actually surprised me. I love Captain Rex, but I didn't see him making it that high on the list. Oh, uh, Captain Rex. Yeah, Captain, Captain, wait, which Captain? Like Captain Rex the clone trooper or Captain yeah. Rex the, okay, not, yeah. the, not, the, not, the, not the original pilot of Star Tours. Oh, gosh. Because I would have put him wow. there. <laughs> I thought the original uh, pilot of Star Tours was like DJ or something. No, like it's, that. no, he's DJ Rex now, but he was, oh, he was just Rex okay. then. Okay, he's DJ Rex because he's at uh, at uh, the cantina there, Oga's Cantina. There we go. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Number five, Princess Leia. Number four, Darth Vader slash Anakin. Um, number three, Han Solo. Number two, Obi Wan Kenobi. Number one. Luke Skywalker. Um, but I, I, I just thought it was very interesting. It was a very, I mean, that's a pretty standard list, I think, but there's, there were some surprises for me, even in that top 10. Um, but there, there was one that really stood out to me. Uh, well, a couple things. One, um, I guess you could say there's sequel characters in Luke, Han, and Leia, so on and so forth, but not really many sequel core characters. Go ahead, Nick. Joe, did you have any outliers, like somebody that puts like Jar Jar Banks number one or, you know, anything? Um, we did have, uh, let me see here. One second. Darth Maul was number one on somebody's list. Boba Fett was number one on somebody's list. Um, so, yeah, th those were the biggest. Let me see. Now, you said Luke was number one, but you kind of drew it out there. Were you saying Luke or Luke? Sorry. Luke with one U. Luke okay. Skywalker. I thought maybe a lot of people love, you know, they love their Timothy's on. Well, I, yes. Oh, wow. And I'm yeah. going to bring him up before we end this show because uh, okay. interesting thing. Um, but, but really, you know, there, the, Hera was on there, Lando, Bo Katan, uh, Jared Imway, um, Savage Press, <laughs> Kylo wow. Ren. Um, there was a mixture. I will say um, the, the one person who was really into Jabba's can, Jabba's, uh palace the the larger dancer was in their top 10 what's the larger not ula but the other one no um, um Gar I yarn uh yarna del gargan here we go yarna there we go yeah. there we go she yeah. actually made someone's top 10 list i i was a little shocked by that um yeah just outside of the top 10 qui-gon jinn yoda kane and jarris darth maul padme hera kylo ren thrawn Cad Bane, K2SO. Those were those are the next 10 or so right there. Huh. Um, but yeah, I just look, it, it's very unscientific and it's using Twitter and it's just asking people their opinions. But I, I thought it would be a different top 10 when you get Twitter world in there and different age groups and, and things like that. But 
Any any shocks or surprises to you guys in anything on that top ten list or people missing or should have been on there? Yeah, so no, Ray at all. Uh, yeah, no, Ray. Ray was only in two people's top tens. Wow. Well, you have to remember that the Force Awakens made most people happy. The Last Jedi made a lot of people unhappy, and the Rise of Skywalker made everybody who wasn't happy unhappy. <laughs> so there's been true? a lot of tarnish on the legacy there. And yeah. uh, so the, 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 I think probably there will be a reappraisal in 10 years or so, and things will look a little different for those characters. But for right now, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're washing out. But look, this happened. You youngins don't know about this, but uh, in the mid 80s, uh, they Star Wars was just looked down on, period. And people hated Ewoks. And, pe- you know, mm. uh, there are so many people like like Steve Glosson, yesterday's birthday boy, who love Return of the Jedi, but he he did not know of the concept of all the backlash against Return of the Jedi that was there in the mid-80s, and it was there. Uh, I remember it very well, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Star so, Wars died then real fast after uh, Return yeah, of the Jedi. It did. We, we very much call those times the dark times, and it was literally, I just remember wandering the desert looking for things in stores that said Star Wars and not being able to find them. Um, kind of like today almost sometimes it's but. well it's, if i go to target right now it's about this, if i can find about 40 different kinds of grogu's and then nothing else orlando but lando yes lando and grief carga for whatever yeah. reason those guys are hanging out and you know it's the same at disney world we were at disney world uh december last month and i'm poking around there looking for action figures and all they've got are landos just everywhere you go it's just like vintage collection landos on the card Hey, we got 20 Landos here. We got 15 Landos at this store. We got, you know, I don't know what the deal is with Land. And the thing is, it's a great figure. In mm-hmm. fact, that card, let me tell you, Empire Strikes Back figures first came out, you know, leading up to the movie. Who's the first Empire Strikes Back figure I got? Besides the mail-away Boba Fett, I don't really count that. But the first genuine Empire Strikes Back carded figure, that Lando. Really? Yep. Lando was the first one. Because Lando just seemed interesting to me. Hey, I don't know anybody who doesn't love Lando. I love Lando. And and these guys here chipped in and got me a Billy D. Williams cameo for my birthday. And That's I right. still cherish that to this day. I watch it every now and then just to get myself all geeked up. But Nick, you were going to say something. Well, first of all, poor Billy D. Williams, man. You just got to mm-hmm. think the emotional toll that takes to know that maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's doing his cameo thing and he doesn't care. <laughs> but to have... All your figurine, like to walk into it. I don't know if Billy D. Williams is walking into Target, so maybe it doesn't matter. But to go, man, all my all my figurine. Nobody wants a Lando. Come on, man. Um, it's like just there's so the many. Manager. Well, why are there so many? There's so many because apparently nobody wants them. What's that about? But where do all the other figures go? In somebody's basement, collecting there, dust. I went to, to be Target resold. this week, yeah. and there were twelve of the same Black Series Landos. So even if there's two at some time, they had to have had six cases of other figures. How did they disappear that fast? Sir, this is the manager. You know, you got a lot of guts coming here after you pulled my <laughs> figures off the counters. Um, hey, real quick, you mentioned it uh, as D-Ducks getting hop on, Scott. Um, you mentioned it uh, yesterday was Mr. Glosson's birthday. He's turning Correct. 40, you say 45 I say or 44? 40, I say 45, 77. Okay. Because I think I think he came out five uh, four months before Star Wars came out. <laughs> I think that's how that worked. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what, Steve, if you listen, happy birthday from the crew here. 
Uh, actually, he will be our guest next week. So we'll right. celebrate with him the week after his birthday. So, um, and while we wait for D-Doc, I know nothing about Star Wars games. I rely on you guys to bring me that knowledge, but I did see that Star Wars is going to have three new games coming out. So, Alfie, start that ball rolling. What are we going to get hit with? What's it all about? Anything good? I read the same article from like 10 different sources, basically, and there really wasn't a whole lot of information, except there's three new EA Star Wars games. One of them they heavily hinted, and I could never find it in print that it was the sequel to Fallen Order, but from their description, it sounds like that's it. Then the second one will be a first-person shooter created by the team that did Medal of Honor, I think. It will not be Battlefront 3. It will be something new. And then a strategy game. What that means, I don't know, because to me, like Knights of the Old Republic could be considered a strategy game. I, yeah, I think one they're of doing the, Madden Star Wars 2022. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Hey, here's a guy who blew up the Death Star. Boom. <laughs> now, oh, before man. we get too far off on this or anything else, one thing to note, this seems to be EA's swan song with Star Wars. They okay. are didn't come right out and say it, but in the articles that I read, they said they want to move away from the licensing cost of Star Wars, which makes sense. I mean, you probably have a dozen games mapped out already. Why not just make them your own game without Star Wars and pay all that money? Isn't that interesting? Sell as much. Isn't that interesting that EA kind of says farewell to the license right around the same time Hasbro renewed their license? Yeah. Interesting. It's just a strange coincidence. And of course, Hasbro has promised to continue their grand tradition of not actually having the action figures in the stores. So we get to, you know, look forward to that. That's I, interesting though, Alfie. Yeah. Because, because reality is like, I'm not going to buy a video game unless it has Star Wars on it. Like when right. it really comes down to it, like my last, the last four video games that I bought, because I don't get to play it enough because I've got a maniac in my house that's 19 months old that, you know, takes <laughs> up most of my time, is was Squadrons, which to be true, I only played about... 20 minutes of because i got so frustrated flying an x-wing that it was really hard it. oh my gosh like you would have felt, i i was so frustrated playing it that i couldn't i couldn't play it much much more but it's a great 2, game oh yeah great game battlefront 2 and then fallen order which is maybe the greatest video game i've ever played right ever. they really hit it out of the park with fallen order yeah. now battlefront one was way too rushed and was like half of a game it got better yeah battlefront 2 they really put some resources into it, but that whole loot crate fiasco was such bad press. And if you look at what they did as a company for that game in the first few weeks to change it, to meet, you know, the demands of the people playing it, you know, that had to take a tremendous amount of resources and money to do. Right. And to keep supporting that game. Cause that game just continued to get better until now it's unplayable, but it turned into a fantastic game. Scott, is getting at though. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, no, sorry. No, I was just saying, Nick, you got a huge point here, though, which is, I mean, how much, how much money are they paying versus the license versus how much are they not going to make by people like you and me who aren't going to buy it if it doesn't say Star Wars on it? Do you know how many unopened Star Wars video games I've got upstairs? <laughs> I mean, I got C, I got a drawer of CD-ROM Star Wars games mm -hmm. I never opened. They're just sitting there because I bought them because they said Star Wars on them. 
That's it. And and I'm a I'm a marginal video game at the best. But if I yeah. think it's going to move canon forward, then by golly, I'll go buy it. Like I'll I'll do it and I'll jump in and make it happen. Yeah. If there's a story mode, I'm buying that game, and That's I'm going to watch my son play it just so I can see the story. I may never just play so I can watch the cutscenes. Like I'll <laughs> yeah. get on YouTube yeah. and watch the cutscenes just to see. Hey, what new thing yeah, is happening in movie. Star Wars universe? That's it. Yeah. And and that's for me. That is what a Star Wars game is. It's watching guys like you play, and just saying, "Hey, this is pretty cool." It's like watching a miniature movie, you know, something away from what we're used to seeing. Boom, right there on my screen, and you guys control it. Because me, you guys said you're getting frustrated with games, just just to get them. I, I can't even get them started. I don't even know where to click the right buttons for them. So I've, <laughs> I've stayed away from them, which is probably good because it's probably saved me quite a bit of money. But I've just thrown that at you know, six inch black series figures. So, um, but anyway, Scott, are you much of a gamer? I know these guys like to play video games. I no, I, yeah, I don't, but, you, but I say that I'm not, but I did get an Oculus quest a couple of weeks. Mm. And the first thing I bought, the only game I've really bought was Vader immortal. Uh, and I did that because I, yeah, I think we've talked on this program before about doing secrets of the empire down at Disney. Yeah. How amazing that thing is. And I thought, well, this is, you know, this is VR similar to that. And uh, so I got it, I strapped it on, I got, went up to my media room and I was like, I'm going to do this thing. And I put the thing on and uh, started up and it says, okay, you got to mark your area. So I marked my area and said, that's not big enough. And I went, what do you mean it's not big enough? It's got to be six and a half by six and a half feet. And I'm like, where am I going to find the space for the, <laughs> the, because you think six and a half feet by six and a half feet, it's not that big, but then right. you realize you have furniture, you have a coffee table, you have, you know, dog crates, you have a kitchen table. And so literally I bought it, but I haven't played it yet because I don't know. So I'm literally at some point one night, I'm going to go out of my backyard and map it out as my area and do Vader Immortal. But until then, I'm just kind of stuck, I, you know, just kind of surfing the web. That's the kind of game I can play, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about nine different buttons and doing this and that. It's, yes. it's, this is a game where I look, I move, I, you know, the Wii yeah. was a big game with, you know, using yes. the Wii was yes. my kind of game. So playing yes. that is my yep. kind of game right there. And, and, you know, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the Wii and the Wii was the last video game system I got before this. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. And honestly, I got the Wii for free. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, Alfie's but. looking like he's going to mock us here. Ahead, <laughs> Try updating it or. Because we just got one, and it does uh, not require that much space. Vader Immortal doesn't. No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. It's only we six and a half by six and a half. We got the newest. Do you have the Oculus too? Yeah. Yeah. I just got okay. it a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. And, the, and when the I space it out, we it's play like, in Ugh. is nowhere near that big. Hmm. Okay. Well, good. I'll try it. Well, we've hammered we've hammered that out. Um. Yep. Hey, look who's with us. Din Djarin is with us, with Baby Yoda, right there, with wow. Grogu. D-Doc, how you doing, brother? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Uh, much. That's how a good-looking Mandalorian helmet. Whew. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt everything here. Crazy night getting on, so. Wow. You know, the, the beard mustache, you're looking more like a Star Wars character every day. I, I really do think that. You, you could fall right into a Jedi kind of thing maybe one of the rebels you, you got that look going about you uh, so, i like it and there's not enough gingers in star wars so you could you could go right in there and take over the for uh the the hux lovers be, that are out there you could be carl jade Ooh. <laughs> i'll uh, take that yeah 
Oh, holy cow, guys. Wow. We have a surprise guest coming on. Uh-oh. Uh, we didn't know. I'm just sorry. getting better. Oh. Yeah. You know what, Scott? I think Brent just wanted to hear your voice and be around you tonight. So he's hopping on. So no, how to feel about that. <laughs> There's only um, one way to feel about it. So, so, so yeah, for those watching on YouTube, you see these people hopping on. For those of you listening, D-Doc just hopped on with us, so he's, he's joined in. And slowly but surely, Grant is breaking my ears. He's apparently he's got being, his mic in his pocket. He's being shot at right now. Hey, I got to get this out. Are you rubbing your microphone against rocks right now? <laughs> um, so anyway, D-Doc, before Grant hops on... <laughs> How are you doing, brother? We haven't started talking about Book of Boba Fett. We're going to Book of Boba Fett in a minute. How's everything going? Oh, my God. I'm doing great. I just got done that darn episode, came up here and turned the laptop on. That's why I have this uh, shit-eating grin on my face. Part of my French. Sorry. <laughs> you got oh, it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that was a merit-eating grin. Wouldn't that be French? Yeah. There you go. French. Uh, Brent Dykeman, so good to see you. And then have you disappear? That was yeah. well-timed. Um <laughs> I'm a hot mess. Don't don't bother me. Yeah. Hi guys. Hi, Hi Brent. Brent. Sorry for the uh, sound. I didn't realize that I was crackling and everything. I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I was ready for nine o'clock, not for eight o'clock. So. I'm sorry. It's it's all good. We're all good. It's all good. It's all because Mr. Rifen and I get it. Mr. Rifen's got to wake up bright and early so the all the people in the Georgia can hear him. That's right. right. And I was late. Oh well, man! Like, 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 Joe moves it up for me, and then I'm late. So, <laughs> at this point, we should have just started at nine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before we get going into uh, Book of Boba Fett, a couple quick questions. One, um, Scott, why do people? Why do you dislike Saint Simon? <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, I, the you only the, you put the thing. Uh, does anybody have any questions? And I just was doing a preemptive strike against Steve. Oh, okay. That's his number one question for me. Uh, we have St. Simon's issues that come up sometimes, and sometimes the issues, like sometimes on in mainland Glen County, I, this is the most riveting Star Wars conversations everyone had. Uh, in mainland Glen County, people have issues like storm drainage and ditches and roads with potholes. And on St. Simon's, they have a problem with the tennis players won't get off the pickle court, pickleball court in time. And then it becomes a gigantic, and the one that gets the gigantic issue and all the ink is the pickleball stuff while people are drowning on the mainland because the storm won't drain. And so I get a little, I get a little worked up about that. Steve interprets that as you hate St. Simon's Island because there are people who do, I have people who come to me and they're mad at me for hating St. Simon's. I don't hate St. Simon's. I just, I try to put the world in perspective and there's some people who do not. You know what? The people of St. Simon. (laughs) It's not the place. I hate a a small subset of people (laughs) from St. Simon's. You know, Brent, Brent's usually, uh, you know, our conscious on this show a lot. And, and, and we've had some ups and downs with Twitter recently of people. And, (laughs) and then we've had, we've had, you know, people sitting there going, Oh my gosh, if you spoil this show for me, I'm going to die. And this is going to kill this. And I hate you. And Brent, uh, Brent always brings the deck to really, I, you know, uh, not to bring up bad things, but Brent will say things like, I lost my mom last year. How does that compare to to uh, you having your show spoiled, right? Let, let's take a step back. Yeah. So we, we- And they're like, and they're like, well, did you like your mom? <laughs> okay, but it's one step further. It's not even just that. It was like the last Jedi premiered on this day and it was the worst day of oh, my yeah. life. Yeah. And I, and I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I lost my mom. Nothing's going to compare to that. 
<laughs> like, I'm sorry yeah. that if that's the worst thing that happened in your life, I'm glad that you've had that privileged life. Yeah, that's but, like, no I mean, <laughs> right? I, like the the whole the whole hyperbole of the, some of the fans just yes. bothers me. Yeah, actually, I said first word problem. I actually came up with a thing this morning. There's there's first world problems, and then there's like one A problems, which is a step above first world. <laughs> yes, <problem. laughs> Nick, exactly. Which while we're talking about it, um, I completely agree. And yet, like our chiropractor came to our place of work today, which I like even saying that makes me just go like <laughs> first world problems. But <laughs> he came to our place of work today and goes, you're a Star Wars fan. Have you watched Book of Bubble yet today? And began to almost spoil it for me. And Dr. <laughs> Kyle, who listens to the show, I love you, but I almost strangled you in the office today when you were getting ready to. <laughs> so while I get it, I also get it. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we love Star Wars. We have to put it in perspective, but not enough to not commit murder. Yeah. <laughs> Alfie, go ahead. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around this idea that Brent became our moral compass. <laughs> wow. Hey. hey, I mean, so like Twitter, it's like, it's Twitter. It's a dumpster fire. That's people the best get, part of it. People, again, people are going to feign outrage because they can, and they're yes. keyboard warriors, as Scott has talked about before when we've had him on. And so all of that is his, and it's like, somebody got lambasted today for something that they said, and my world still went on with the way that my world went on. And that person, I'm sorry for that person, um, or not sorry for that person, yeah, whatever. You're not. It's okay. Yeah, you're not. You're it's not. okay. It's all right. But but my world still went on. This I is still true. was able I was still able to watch Mandalorian on my way to work as I was driving through traffic. Wait, yes. Wait, I, what? Well, what? You watch yeah, Mandalorian? Yes, You're not supposed to say oh, that yet. We're talking wait, about Book of oh, Bad. No, but I'm I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting to the he was driving while he was watching Mandalorian. Explain the mechanics of this. Committed or if you should be committed. I watched it while I drove too. Oh, oh, man. Thank you, Alfie. Thank you, Alfie. There is no moral compass on this show. What is wrong oh, with you people? <laughs> okay, real quick before we start. The surround sound, the surround sound in my car is phenomenal. We're, we're going to start them in my truck. It is great. <laughs> we're going to start the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian in one moment. But a quick PSA from Joe in the pilot seat. I do not recommend, and the show does not recommend, <laughs> that you watch anything Star Wars or non-Star Wars related while driving your car. Alfie, Brent, I think you have to do this episode while driving your car. I would, <laughs> right now, go get Scott, in there. Scott, my intro to this felt like I was driving my car while I was trying to get this all set up. <laughs> Just tune in to Rule the Galaxy podcast while you're driving on YouTube. There, there you podcast. Go. There we on go. YouTube. Watch on YouTube. <laughs> Actually, I've had two people tell me they watch it on YouTube when they drive to work. So, but again, uh, uh, that's not good. That's not right. No. And oh. please don't drive near me when you're doing that. Um, I'll wait and it'll be just like you're watching. This um, is America, Joe. If I want to drive in my car and watch The Mandalorian, I will drive in my car and watch The Mandalorian. All right. I think I've just figured out there's actually a 1B problem, apparently. <laughs> not, so it's not quite as high as the 1A. Oh, it's, no, it's like beyond 1A. It's oh, like, oh. Or 1AA problems. Fellas, um, we, we'll just jump right in and just say this. I, I've only gotten to watch it once today because work was just crazy um twice for alfie twice for brent d doc just watched it once nick once scott how about you once twice one and a half 
one and a half. Okay. That's right. Um, so I will probably watch it again tomorrow, but uh, this is free-flowing content right here. Let's just say this. I think we were all waiting in the last few episodes for this turn to occur, and the turn has happened. I think we've seen we're going down a different path than all the flashbacks. We are now moving forward with a new plan, a new vision, and it's getting everyone excited. I, The title is Return of the Mandalorian. Uh, Alfie, I believe, said, hey, watch for this show to start out in space. It didn't quite start out in space, but very soon after that it did. I mean, I guess we're all in space, but um, I, I felt like I was watching Rocky to start the show uh, huh. in the meatpacking plant. But other than that, uh, somebody hit me with whatever you want. Let's just say it's an open forum. I will say I love this episode. It was so exciting. So many little things that were pointed out to me, and Joey texts me all day about them. I'm going to start with Brent, and we'll just keep going around. We'll follow him up with Alfie. Go ahead, Brent. I mean, I think the Mandalorian said it best. The show was so wizard. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Was yeah. anybody else waiting for Wizard to come back? Yeah, yeah. I actually really enjoyed it as a child of the prequels. <laughs> I like audibly went <gasps> like when he said it. So yeah, I can't fake it. Okay. Did Larry did Larry Niven get a credit on this at all? I don't think he did. Who's I that? Mean, they, Give us the guy who Niven. created Ring World. I mean, it is. They literally opened the, oh. movie, the, the episode on Ring World from a Marvel so, comic. No, 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 from the novels. It's a uh, which one is it? Uh, Ring World by Larry so Niven. But I'm saying <laughs> which the book name of it in? in in Ring World by Larry Niven. It's a totally oh. different science. Fiction. Okay, it's not a Star Wars thing. I kept it's, thinking uh, of the Ring in the Marvel comics from the 70s. Oh no, so. the wheel, the, the wheel. wheel. Yes. No, though the wheel. So, you know, that's funny. G Man, my son, came to me and he asked me, Is this, is this like the wheel? And, no, it's not like the wheel, my son. This is the wheel. Man. The wheel is so wonderful. Ring. Go ahead. There was a there was a bit uh Matt Damon movie where he Elysium. wore like Yes, sir. Elysium. Yep. That's I thought right. the yeah. same yeah. thing, Brent. So yep, I'm on Elysium. So your ring world shows our age and what we're <laughs> our timelines. My brain went to Elysium with Matt Damon. Yes. So I thought more of Halo. That's what I thought that too. as well. Halo right away. Wow. I was just like, this is Halo. Right, uh, right when it's I saw Ring it. World is what it is. Come on, guys. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Go Scott, to the you classics. Need, you need to send us a link to that because I know nothing about Ring World. So Larry Niven. Actually. So Ringworm. Well, Ringworm and Ring World, that's you know, that's where they came from, actually. Alfie, go ahead. This was literally the worst episode of the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I love it. But <laughs> It was probably one of the best of any of the Disney Plus TV series episodes, I think. So it was a great Mandalorian episode. Correct. And yeah. a bad Boba Fett episode. Um, I think we really see now why the odd number on the amount of episodes for this season, because this really felt out of place. I mean, I know it's go where it's going with the story, and we're creating this narrative and we're going with it. But yeah, that was just a real shock that we're going to get a 100% devoted to the Mandalorian. But okay. I loved every second of it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, again, so we see him in the butcher shop. We've got him still bounty hunting, which is cool. And he brings out his famous line of, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold, which I think is just a great line. Um, and then, badass enough he turns out and says oh by the way still got that dark saber with me so 
let's go, right? Uh, that was pretty cool. Any more opening thoughts? Go ahead, Nick. One of my favorite parts of the opening of this is um, the fact that he injures himself with <laughs> the dark saber, only because you don't you don't see that. And with any other Jedi, you don't see that really with with anybody, even Han Solo, right? Like using the lightsaber on Hoth when, mm -hmm. you know, all throughout the reality is like, if you're not a Jedi and you don't have sensitivity to the force, how dangerous is a beam of hot light that could burn through anything? To me, I thought it was a very cool, almost realism kind of pull into Star Wars, which I, I you know, I've talked about before on the show, but I, I liked it. I thought it was very, very cool. Scott, D-Doc, opening good, Scott. All right. Well, I was just going to say one of the things about the opening is I was surprised at how brutally violent he was because I kind of had felt like after a couple of seasons of Mandalorian that you know, with mm. the child, he had softened a bit. And then I started thinking, you know, first I'm going, well, this is a little not the progress he'd made as a character. But I started thinking, you know, the kid's gone. I, maybe he is now in a darker place because he's returned to his old work. He's, you know, he is... He's regressed from where he was brought. And he knows, if you, if you follow the course of the episode, he knows what will kind of bring him salvation, what will kind of make him a better person is being with Grogu, taking care of him, you know, making sure he is, he is well and right. But uh, this was the, the opening of the entire series of Mandalorian was pretty violent. That first scene, you know, yeah. guy gets chopped in half by the door and everything. <laughs> this was uh, above that. I mean, it literally where he started in episode one of the Mandalorian, he's darker now. I mean, and I, I think that's a result of being away I mean, from, from Grogu, huh? I said he decapitated yeah, a guy. I mean, come on. Yeah, he did. Go ahead, Brent. So I just want to say, I agree with that. And it's, I, he is darker, but it's also, I think, and I hear this and I never really thought about it. The, the force and the light side of the force that was emanating from Grogu too, right? So he was getting nicer and he was getting nicer because Grogu was around, right? So now, now, now that light side force is not around him anymore. He's not influenced by it as much as he was. And it allows him to go kind of back to where he was, if not worse. I also think he just got mad because he hurt himself and <laughs> took, so, took some of that anger out on the, which one are those guys, by the way? Because I know you guys will know. What, as a Clotillians. Okay. But, but, you know, I think that's a really good point as, as far as his being angry. But I think also a lot of what Mandalorian was was his kind of growing into being a father. And this is, you know, we old guys can talk about this kind of thing where our kids, in a very real sense, push us to be better because we're an example and we, yeah. are, we are being watched. They see everything we do. They try to do everything we do. They repeat the things we do. And so I, I think that was a lot of what happened to this character during the, the Mandalorian's first couple of seasons. Now he doesn't have that, and he doesn't have that push to be better. He doesn't have that, that person looking up to him as the example. I, I like think that it. makes a difference. How about, how about you, D-Doc? Chime in. What do you got? Um, pretty much like my vision of what Mando would be doing like we all had our vision of where he would be after everything happened in season two. And just to see the setting they put him in in this was freaking awesome, in my opinion. And like you said, yeah. the Rocky vibes were extremely strong <laughs> in that scene with the meat packing. So I, I thought some key moments and key things that came back up and we can hit on these. Um, one, the, the infrared markings for the Mandalorians as he was looking for their hideout. 
just awesome. I mean, to where they're the only ones that know to look for them and they're marked like that. Go ahead, Scott. Well, gonna... I was just going to say, can, can we just, I mean, you're going to talk about the visual cues there. Can we just talk about how gorgeous the entire episode is? Oh, oh yeah. My God. I mean, it is just, it is just the best looking hour of TV I've seen in a very long time. And that's any yeah. episode of Boba Fett or anything else. It's just a great looking, a great looking episode. The... Specifically, Scott, when he goes to that club, up on oh, the yeah. top where he's turning in the bounty to me the way they mix the sound on that where like he gets out of the elevator and you could hear it in the background and then he the yeah like when the doors open and they shut to me i went oh my gosh this is one of the coolest like immersive experiences uh yeah, within great. something i've seen in a while you ought to hear it on the sound system of a car while you're driving <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's really <laughs> okay so how excited was ever? Go ahead, Alfie. Before I hit this, mute. You're on mute. You're on mute. People are going to read lips. Alfie, it's okay. <laughs> well, he's getting okay, ready. Okay, sorry, there sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm a hot mess tonight. Sorry about that. the The thing about the Ring World, I think you guys were still talking about that. I had to jump off for a second. Yeah. I immediately, when I saw this, thought. Why didn't we see stuff this immersive, this detailed, this new in the sequel trilogy? Hmm. All He's this go there. Second, this, I second it, Alfie. That was like something we've never seen before. In all this money and talent they they had with these movies, and we minute. got regurgitated. Something we've never seen before. How dare you? In the sequel trilogy, we were introduced to a desert planet. A mobile space station battle star type thing. A, we had a jungle planet. Wait a minute. <sighs> we had Which a droid that you rolled around about on there? one wheel. Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Brent. So I agree that it is beautiful, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but when they got onto the freighter liner, it was also beautiful on the freighter liner that he was taking to go to Moss Eisley. Mm -hmm. Um but all of that did was trigger in my mind Galactic Star Cruiser because I believe oh, no. it looked it looked mm. like it looked like the, the the promotional videos. There is the cleanliness, the shininess, the brightness of it reminded me of the Galactic Star Cruiser stuff. And then I'm gonna jump ahead again when he was that is the bad lounge singer. <laughs> correct. Yeah. And when he was flying over and around the Star Cruiser later in the episode, it also gave me vibes of the Galactic Star Cruiser. So well, I would argue that mm. there may be a reason why we didn't get it and they're trying to tie in this world to that world and there may be a Disney tie-in. Maybe some product placement in the middle of the show like other shows do. Yeah, a little bit. Just It just gave me that. It just gave me those vibes. So that, to say what I, to go with that. I well, think that just means Galactic Star Cruiser is consistent in universe, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, like, but they played it off as it was like really boring. And there were little kids that were like jumping over your seat trying to get in your lap. And there then was... he gets his ship and he's like, screw you guys. I'm going to fly all around no, you. And no, so no, no. Cool. No, wait. There's a little kid. And understand this there's a little kid who is green, friendly, and has giant dark eyes. Think about like, that for a second. And, yeah. and, and when you see that scene, he's sitting in there first off when she gives, you know, he has, he has this Beskar spear melted down and she says, mm -hmm. you know, he wants her to make some armor. And then he says he wants it for a foundling and he says he wants it for Grogu. Right. 
Then she wraps it up. And I know everybody has to have seen this when it happened. When she wraps it up and ties it, it looks like him. It does. It yeah. Does. 100%. And so he's sitting on the Star Cruiser. <laughs> Star Cruiser. Crash. Sorry, that was an Ewok adventure. Ewok. And uh, uh, when he's sitting on the Star Cruiser, and all of a sudden there is a child who is green, friendly, and big, dark eyes looking at him. And then what does he do? He stares at the kid for a little bit. And then when the kid, kid's mom says, hey, get over here, then he looks down at his Grogu-looking package. In other words, you know, that, that, that child, that uh, Rodian yep. was evocative of Grogu in a certain way, you know, that the certain look. And that's what it reminded me, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the scene in Naked Gun where it's everywhere I look, something reminds me of her. The so, big stylos. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. exactly the same, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. I did my eyes think... watered up for that scene. Sorry, Joe, but no, my you're eyes kind of watered up uh, when, when he was looking at it. I, I don't know. It's like, it, that's the best thing about freaking Star Wars is I'm like, I'm looking at this guy in this helmet, looking at a little package mm -hmm. wrapped up that looks like Grogu and it's making my eyes water. Cause you can tell he freaking misses him. He's in pain, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I, I would have bet even with Scott Rifen coming on tonight, I would have bet all kinds of money. We would not get a naked gun reference <laughs> in the show, but we did. So I would have lost. So um, going back to that, trying to do a little chronological while we're hitting all kinds of points, uh, seeing the armor and Paz Vizsla come back was absolutely awesome and i think one of the key things that she said was they talk about the empire it only lasted 30 years the mandalorians have been around for ten thousand years um and and i just really i stopped and i was like yeah i never really thought about the empire only being 30 years that that is a short period of time in history when you uh -huh. spread things out like that so but but that whole scene with those three all together and we can get to the fight and the the dark saber and all that but that was some of my favorite part right there when, when they were all together. Go ahead, Nick. Well, how how destructive the empire was that because the Republic is around 25,000 years, Mandalore 10,000 years, Empire 30 years, and look what they did to everything. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Which, go ahead. I, I jumped in. No, you're fine. No, that, it's a good that's point. It, though. I, I was going to say th that scene, we, we've been waiting for what, two two seasons now, maybe three years to see the night of a thousand tears like kind of play out and to see the bombing of the Sundari on Mandalore. Gosh, to me, that was like, it was like watching James Cameron's Terminator where like they're crushing the skulls over the, you know, with the, with the machines rolling over. And to me, I was yeah. like, this is the coolest and grittiest and everything that I've like signed up to be here for kind of moment. I thought, I thought it was awesome. The K2s yeah. and the probe droids was oh total Terminator God. right there. Yes. yes. Absolutely. It was T2. No doubt. And yeah. and deliberately so, I'm sure. Go ahead, Alfie. Okay, Scott, I'm going to go there one more time because <laughs> the first watching this scene and listening to the armor talk yeah. while she's mm -hmm. working, while they're doing everything, mm -hmm. I instantly thought to all these interviews I've seen with Johnson Abrams, where they said, well, you know, we couldn't give a backstory on Snoke because it ruined the flow of the movie. We didn't really know what to do with the Knights of Ren because it, it, you know, it took out the flow of the movie. When we tried to tell Luke's story, it took out the flow of the movie. She gave thousands of years of history of the Mandalorians in like three minutes. 
that is how you tell the story right there. The amount of world building and depth that went into that scene was just, I, like I said today, I can't even describe like how amazing that was. And she had something and she had interesting business on screen while she was doing that. Right. So it was never yeah. a board. It was never a lecture. It was never a, a history lesson because she was, they were engaged in interesting visual biz, business. And you got to give credit yep. to Bryce Dallas Howard for staging it that way too. 100%. Go Brent. Well, so two things. One, as I was driving, I think I was at a red light, but I fist pumped <laughs> when I saw the armorer. I think I was at a red light. I hope but you were at a red light. I, I gave a I gave a good fist pump in my car when I saw the armorer because I'm so happy to see Emily Swallow and the armorer back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That fantastic char- character. Um, but the next piece to that, what I was saying is, as you were talking about it, there was something visual. They seem to go to the Night of the Thousand Tears and give us Mandalorian history whenever they're melting down something of Beskar and turning it into something else. So it's that call back to, again, we were watching Mandalorian. We were not watching Boba Fett uh, this time. So it was like a call back to that scene in the armor, the two times when he went in there and got his Beskar made and had the, his per- personal flashbacks to those nights and how he was found. So I think that I, I liked how that was tied in right there. I agree. I, I, I liked how he also went through, <clears throat> he, he encapsulated the first two seasons of the Mandalorian going back to her. I won this by battle. Um, she explained Tar Vizla. Uh, I've met a Jedi, you know, uh, you've completed your quest. This is the way they step-by-step step, while all those mm-hmm. processes are going, they're just giving you what you need. If you hadn't watched a few episodes, or if you haven't seen the Mandalorian, you can step in here and go, oh, I'm caught up now. He's, he's needing this. This is what happened. Boom. We're on to the next thing. So but I really never like once, but never once does it feel like, oh, here we go with expository dialogue when that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's exposition, but at, at no point do you go, oh boy, here comes the exposition again. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite movies in the world is midnight run. But I mean, when, when the guy goes, you want your cigarettes back? Well, you're going to have to go to Flagstaff to get them because that's where your pal Mosley went. It's like, oh, God, please. just uh, Why don't you just write it on a giant cue card and ha- hold it up for everybody if you're going to do it that way? You know, there, there are times when expository dialogue is just a drag, uh, but this, they just made it so interesting that it worked. Did, did you guys think it was interesting um, that they didn't? care for the Beskar spear because it could go through Beskar armor and and she said it it wasn't what you say it wasn't worthy of you or or something like that the the dark saber fits you more something to those lines again I watched it one time but they they wanted that out and yes we get to see it be used for Grogu but I thought that was interesting choice go ahead Alfie first well yeah I really thought that was interesting because the first thing that hit me was when you see the big Mando you know he's going to try to take the yeah. sword. And boy, wasn't it just convenient that you just happened to get rid of the, like she said, the one weapon that could hurt a Mandalorian. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. She said it was a more noble weapon, the Darksaber was. There we go. There we go. So Nick. Was, um, oh. <laughs> Nick, Scott say, and Nick. Scott she and said Nick. it was a more noble weapon, but she also said that Beskar, for Mandalorian, Beskar was best used as armor. And so that's when he then gave it to her to... to uh, give you know make a grogu armor out of there we go there we go nick go ahead yeah i don't know if you guys felt this way i watched it one and a half times and where i stopped the halftime was right when they were burning down 
the or where they were melting that spear. And the first time I watched it, I went, no, what? No, like, that's so cool. Why would you get rid of that? And then my dad came over and we watched it together and he got to that point and he goes, what? No, what? That's so cool. Why would you? And so to me, I get it. Uh, and I think the emotional tie in of smelting it for Grogu is awesome. Yet at the same point, um, when you think back to season two, that was one of my favorite parts where he gets that spear and now he's like elite with that. So I don't know. I was a little sad to see that go in, in all seriousness. But, like I was but, bummed by that. But there's a certain degree of religious fanaticism that enters in here where they are willing to burn any bridge as long as it adheres to their doctrine. Uh, And, and, you know, and they are to me just as negatively rigid as the Jedi were, which is what caused their downfall in the prequel trilogy. Uh, I mean, you see why these guys are just, there are so few of them now and they're running and hiding everywhere because their, their, their rigid adherence to their ideology has kept them from growing and becoming you know, more than they have been. D-Doc, then Brent. One thing I took from that scene was, number one, how um, he just will so blindly listen to everything they say, no matter what. Like, and you see him be this, you know, awesome warrior. But then when it comes to her, he is just like, I'm going to listen to every single thing you say. And also when they started to fight each other, I couldn't help but to think, I'm like, there's only so many Mandalorians left, but they're so attached to their traditions that, Mm -hmm. you know, one of them could have killed each other in that fight. Mm -hmm. Like all it took was one swing of the dark saber for, for him to die. And you only have, but, but that's their tradition and that's what they're going to do. So the cool vibro blade, we have the vibro blade. Yep. Yes. They had it pause Vizsla's throat. Brent. I was just, uh, I like the little uh, shoulder, the uh, shield that he had that popped out mm-hmm. as well. Um, there is that. And then I also think the rigid adherence to the uh, religion, the point right at the end of the fight, she basically says, you can no longer be with us. Like you got to go, you got to go cure yourself. You got to go purify yourself. You can't be one of us. I'm sorry. Like we want you to be here kind of a thing, but bye. Um, take a hike. <laughs> No, I like that. I, you, you guys are hitting on the religious uh, rigidity there. I really like that. But being a Clone Wars guy, I really like the throwback to Bo-Katan saying she's a cautionary tale. Her house lost their way. They lost their way, and we lost our world. If we wouldn't have hidden on Concordia, the, the moon over there, we would have been gone with the Night of a Thousand Tears as well. So you're, you're wrapping up Satine, Bo-Katan, all that stuff. Now, if they would just mentioned Corky. We would have been okay, but they didn't. Sure. But but to hear all that stuff wrapped up from the Clone Wars was awesome. I know I know uh, the Duchess has got to be. She's probably freaking out with all those comments. Um, uh, Jessica, our our guest from recent weeks, uh, when when they were bringing that stuff out, she was probably like losing her mind. But it was really cool. I thought that was really great how they tied that all in there together. Um, who's next? Who wanted Brent? Go ahead. I was just going to say, she also talked a lot, the armorer talked a little crap about our friend uh, Bo-Katan, basically said that everything was more or less her fault, and maybe because she didn't win the Darksaber, it was handed to her from Sabine, that that led to the downfall of Mandalore. It's like, that's where where her, the armorer's vision of what's going on, and that's why they had to become so fanatical, but yeah. Or maybe they were so fanatical that they interpreted, I mean, they lost out and they interpreted it as we got to blame somebody. So maybe it was this lack of adherence to the religion, you know, 
what did what what did we do wrong? And it's kind of you go back to Job's tale. Job didn't do anything wrong, but he's like, God, why have you cursed me? You know, all these awful, terrible things are happening to him. Um, it, it and a lot of these guys tend to to you know find some reason to affix blame and and attach it to their religion when they've got the fanaticism. Now the question is to why Din Djarin just falls in line with everything. These are the people that saved him. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he's got a, again, you go back to that father, you know, becoming a father thing. I think he's got that same sentiment that, that Grogu may have towards him or that, you know, he's on the other side of that relationship now where he's kind of saved this child and this child looks up to him. Uh, he looks up to these people because they're the ones who saved him. So clearly they must be morally, uh, of high character and they must be morally right. And I must follow their path because they have saved me. And they watch our podcast while they're flying their ships. Nick, go ahead. Well, it could be religious fanaticism, but I think the other part of it too, like my biggest complaint from Mando season two was when he offers her the dark saber and she's like, no, I can't take it. And you go, wait a minute. Remember back in, I can't remember if it was clone wars or the rebels where like they just offer it up and like, they take it so willingly. Why would you not just take, like, why do we have to create this storyline of all this drama? Of, well, I can't and remember how long we speculated of like, is Bo-Katan going to fight Mando, you know, to get the, the sword back. This to me was a cool little tie in almost as a, like a, this is why she was so pissed when he got the sword and she mm-hmm. didn't get the sword to me. I thought it was really cool. Almost like retrofitting writing to go like hey if you were pissed at the end of season two like take a deep breath it's going to be okay because there's all this lore into the fact that if you don't win it in combat you're now cursing you know the generation that that and wields she, it I, I thought that was cool she obviously knows that because she's been down that path before mm-hmm. yeah so. um we, we we talked about the trend go ahead brent just the other thing is did anybody else find it interesting that the dark saber fed off of the energy of Mandal of the Mandalorian and the way that the fight went and the way she was training him. She said he was fighting it and the dark saber became heavier and heavier. It almost felt like it became a sledgehammer as opposed to uh, a lightsaber. Um, and she, she said it was because of the way that he was fighting with it and he was fighting against it as opposed to using it and like learning how to control it. Anybody else find point. that? To yeah. Be interesting? I, I thought that was really weird. Alfie, I'm sure you got something on it. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, especially the way she kept saying, you know, you're not balanced in your mind. You don't have focus. And if you notice when they when he duels with the other Mandalorian, he could barely even pick it up, even being as big as he was. He couldn't hardly swing it off of the ground. Yeah, I I have to wonder if that's not a lightsaber thing. I mean, we were kids. I don't know where it came from. We were kids. We would talk about that kind of thing. We always noticed that when Luke got into a lightsaber fight, Empire and Jedi, he, he two-handed it, always two-handed it. Vader was a one-hander. What is the difference? You know, what did, mm-hmm. what did Luke know going into Empire Strikes Back? What did he not know about handling his lightsaber that he had to use two hands, whereas Vader was a one-hander guy? What, what was that? I, George well, Lucas always uh, said he wanted it to have weight in the hilt, but he never talked mm-hmm. about the blade being heavy. So I, no, that's a true. good question. Go ahead. And early, on, and early on when he was slicing up the people in the Rocky Meat Locker, it wasn't nearly as heavy, right? So I don't know if it's because he was using it more and was fighting against it, but it didn't nearly, it didn't pick up the weight like it did when he was fighting with the armor. Mm-hmm. That's you know point. what though? It did look heavy when he slashed that dude in half at the beginning. But he did whack himself with it too. I mean, and he got himself with it. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, is there something to that of 
like maybe there could be some and this is speculation, but could there be something to like the intent or use of what you're doing with it that ties yeah. in directly? You know, like so I kill somebody and it's like almost fighting me to you know mm-hmm. slash across somebody. Go ahead, Albert. You know, getting really into the force lore. I mean, the original creator was thousands of years before and was a Mandalorian. You know, we have this ongoing story with the emperor and his imprint that he puts on things, you know, Darth Bane putting, you know, himself into the statues, you know, what did this guy know when he made the dark saber? So does it feed off of certain emotions and it becomes easier to use, you know, Mandalorian Jedi. That's, I mean, that's a whole different thing than we've ever seen before. It is. It is a little bit messy for sure. Um, so we've, we've done all this talking. We haven't even, we, we brought it up briefly. We got on the transport to go back to Tatooine. Um, and we, we get there. First of all, did anyone else think it was wild that they actually stopped him and made him take all of his weapons and, and leave them? I, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. This is going to lead to something. There's no way they're making him take all his weapons away and it's not going to come back to haunt him. But, but it didn't. But I just thought it was a really weird scene to add in there. Anybody else think that? Go ahead, Brent. It kind of felt like a Hot Shots part deux. Um, I think that's where it was. <laughs> or there is, or there is some spoof movie where one guy just keeps taking the weapons out of his and putting it into like a carrier. It was just like he just kept taking weapons out and kept loading up that container. Like it, that's what it seemed like to me. There is like there's a spoof movie out there where something like that happens. And it once again, Johnny dangerously. Yeah. Once again, he applies for a religious exemption and cannot get one. <laughs> wow. Great. Go ahead, Nick. I did think it was interesting, the amount of stuff that he pulled out. Like, the one that made me laugh was like, and I was actually saying it out loud, I was like, yo, hide that thing. Like, nobody knows that that's a weapon. Like, the like the whip cord that he pulls out of his, you know, out of his arm and puts it into it kind of thing. And I, I can't help but wonder are they doing that scene just to show you the amount of weaponry that he's walking around with almost like um, you think back to like, if you had the star Wars visual dictionaries and you saw Boba Fett's knee rockets and like in the Mm. original trilogy, you never saw him shoot the knee rockets, but you're like, man, I wonder what that would be like. And then you saw it in episode six of the second season and you were like, that is so freaking cool. Like if, if he was almost like, disrobing to show you here are all the weapons that i have yep i got to see uh scott go ahead nice touch too they have the uh the rex droid as the the luggage droid over there or the cargo mm-hmm. droid or whatever and then when you get the tatooine same type of droid but in severe disrepair can't speak stuttering uh because it's tatooine mm-hmm. and we don't maintain our things on tatooine unless of course they're cycles that are brightly colored. But other than that, <laughs> everything else gets filthy and dirty and not in good repair because that's Tatooine. Uh, yes. Um, was anybody else excited to see our good friend, Pelimoto, R5-D4, the pit droids all come back before we see the replacement for the Razor Crest? Nick, being a prequels guy. I was, I was less excited about all those. I was so excited about the BD droid that showed up from Fallen Order 
that mm. was being attacked by the little lizard. I saw it and I freaked. That was a womp rat. Yep. I, oh, excuse bad. me, the womp rat. I was so, see, that just shows you how little I cared about everything else that was going on <laughs> because I saw the BD droid and I was like, we are tying in everything like in this, in this episode. It was, it was like fan service to the extreme. I thought it was so fun. Guys, I, I'll start this and then just, just go with it. But I really, I know I'm an original trilogy person. I grew up with it. My son and I loved the Naboo Starfighter when it came out in the prequels. And to see them bring that back as the ship um, and the modifications they did to it and all that kind of stuff. And to get it more chromed up with just a touch of yellow like the Razor Crest was, man, that was so well done in my opinion. I, I thought it was great. And I know there's prequel fans worldwide right now going, yes, they're bringing back some of my favorite stuff. Brent, I'll start with you, then Nick, and we'll go from there. Two things. They went full 80s on this with the 1980s Trans Am muffler on the hood. <laughs> and then the others was the A-team montage as they were putting it back together. So I got straight like A-team's montage. We're going to build this ship. And then like the whole like muffler thing on the top of the roof looked like it was eighties trans am. I just wanted to get those two pieces oh, no. and two, two shots in because like, I loved everything about it. It looked like it was going to be a pod racer. And I was like, what's, mm -hmm. why is he going to give her a pod yeah. racer? And then they pulled it off and I was like, okay, that's why it looked like a pod racer. You're, yeah, it was awesome. You're just liking it because it's going to be another ship that you can put or another thing you can put into your legions game, Nick. And then Scott. Okay. So I've told this story before on the show but like 10 year old Nick was finally vindicated today in this episode. <laughs> so in 2002, my dad took me to the Indianapolis children's museum when attack of the clones came out oh. and they brought in a full live version of the Naboo starfighter. And they had somebody there answering questions about the Naboo starfighter. What I didn't realize was they, they were like answering real life prop questions. They weren't answering Star Wars questions because nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. When I got up <laughs> and I asked the question, I said, do they use a hyperspace docking ring or does the Naboo One Starfighter have an onboard hyperdrive? And the 21-year-old tour guide looked at me like I had three heads and went, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was deeply frustrated. In this episode, Pelimoto goes, and it has an internal hyperdrive, so you don't need a hyperspace docking ring. And I sat in my basement, and I was like, finally, like, I know the answer to this thing. It's, like, been 20 years in the making. Like, we we finally got there and, and figured it out. Uh, Scott, you were Thank next. you, Dave Filoni. I there just, you go. I, first off, first off, I, I love they're missing that last piece. They get it from the Jawas. Mm. And it's, you look at it and you go, oh, that was in the trash compactor. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so they put it in place and then they started. Did, am I the only one that was expecting someone to yell, it's working? <laughs> and nobody did. That's I thought there's a missed opportunity. Oh, no, it was great. And and you know what? We, we joke about sometimes Star Wars humor and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But I was kind of digging the, the dating Jawas and furry. <laughs> Very furry. They're furry. Very furry. Uh, I, it works for her. It yeah, works for her character. It works for her character. Uh, D-Doc, Alfie, you guys chime in. Go ahead. Go ahead if we're talking about the Naboo Starfighter, I mean, back to what Scott said earlier, 
they put some freaking budget into the filming of these scenes, man. Like th- that was so clean when, when he took off in that and, and he started going, I was just like, my God, they put a budget into this episode. Oh, and it's wobbly. And, I mean, it, it, the way it flies, not just perfectly smooth. I mean, it, there was some real work on that animation. Oh, it was incredible. And especially like the way it reflected off of the sun, like they, they just, it looked real. It looked freaking real. And especially when he started to do the freaking pod race course, I was just mm. like, are you Beggar's kidding me that we're seeing this right now? Like that, that episode was just a pinch yourself episode. The whole, <laughs> like once he, once he got there, you're just like, are we seriously seeing all this stuff? Especially with the BD unit as well, Nick. Mm. I was just like, oh my God. Cause that's just, fallen order right there like bd is like the goat of fallen order if you haven't played it brent then alfie sorry i accidentally hear a button i swear if you hit us with (laughs) well it wasn't new i'm gonna freak out that's all there is to it not at all not at all i was gonna play like the whole like this isn't a good episode it's all filler and do all that but i've been waiting on that all day (laughs) all day long but I'm not going to do that. However, I do distinctly remember having a conversation with these guys on the podcast about the pod race. And we looked it up and it was in the outskirts of most Espa. It was not in the outskirts of most Isley. And I have problems that he was on the course because as it was, the ramp was right there, right where Anakin hit the ramp to go launch himself up. So I have insert like that. There's some inconsistencies there. It was a big than- course. He also, was also flying very fast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is, also, it was fantastic. I loved Eisley? it. Is yeah. she he in was Mos Eisley? Yeah, because yeah. Peli yeah. Moto's Mos Eisley. She's she not is? in Mos okay. Eisley. Yeah. Well, but Boba. he's flying. He's flying a starship. I yeah. know. That's I like mean, that's like that's like saying, "Well, you got on that seven forty-seven. How dare you not be in Atlanta and be in California instead?" I don't understand it. Time slippage. Is how we, <laughs> he's flying a spaceship for crying out loud. He can get over to Moss Espa pretty quickly, I would think. That, so, now there was no stone needle. I was a little disappointed I didn't see the stone needle there, but that's an old, you know, old guy thing. If you're gonna do Beggar's Canyon, there should be a stone needle. That's all. That's that's why that's why we have you here, Scott, for you to bring up this <laughs> the stone needle. But, um, now, but to to Brent's almost non-point, <laughs> I I did. <laughs> I did get about three quarters of the way through this episode and go, you know, I'm enjoying this, but we're not really moving forward at all. Like, like oh, we disagree. are completely marking time right now. Well, I, mean, I disagree. Only Boba? because Give we it finished, me. we finished Mandalorian season two and uh-huh. all of us were waiting going, man, what happened after you left Grogu on that ship? And yes. so when I saw him come out in the meat locker and he's Grogu-less mm-hmm. and he's got the spear, to me, mm-hmm. this felt like we were moving forward way more than anything that we've got in Book of Boba so far. Well, but, that, but I'm talking about the Book of... Okay, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't that's know. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I know it again, wasn't again, obvious this, this week, but this was yeah. Book of Boba <laughs> <laughs> This might as well have been Mandalorian season three. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I will I, go back, I will go back I to my interview with... Um, my discussion with Mark Newbold, who way mm-hmm. back when told me, Joe, Book of Boba Fett is really Mandalorian season 2.5. Mm-hmm. He was like, it's really season 2.5 Mandalorian. And and for the first part, I'm going, is it really? But it kind of is turning into that now. And I'll float the theory. I don't know if we're too early for this or not, but I'll float the theory that I think season three of Mandalorian happens between this episode or next episode. Really? 
Yeah. Okay. That's my belief. Alfie, did he beat you to it? Was that what you were going to say? No, no, that's not what <laughs> okay. I was going to say. Okay. No, of course not. <laughs> I kind of, Once again, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, <laughs> this, this scene, it had everything. It, video games with BD1. She mentioned the Queen of Naboo. You got the Naboo Starfighter. She talked about the, I don't know, I'm going to say it wrong, so I'm just going to say Space Horses from Episode 7. Favier. Favier, yes. I'm your Favier. And the ship looked awesome. Unbelievable for a TV series. The speed, the just animation of it, the way it wobbled, you know, it had that hot rod kind of shake to it. In the little Grogu seat that she made. Exactly what I was going to say. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yes, yep. the Grogu seat where the droid would usually sit. You're going to see little Grogu shaking and dancing behind Man- Mandalorian in that in the future. And yep. like you were saying earlier about this episode being a shift, I also think this is a shift for the Mandalorian because how is he supposed to bring home a bounty in a one-seater starfighter? That has been a common criticism of this. Yeah, but he can't carbon freeze people and stow them anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. But if you are building a super team and your super team already has a team troop carrier, you now have a bat wing. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, Who had the Nick or D-Doc put their hand up? Sorry. I just glance around here. Um, so let, let's go here. We now have him shooting around space, speeding in space, you know, uh, precautionary tail going around that, that uh, transport too quick. And two X-Wings pop up, basically like cops, and wanting to want to have a talk with him and go through all the rigmarole that you would kind of feel with that. We know one of the X-Wing pilots from the previous episodes mm-hmm. Did I miss? Who was the other one? Is it somebody I should know? Is it somebody just new? It's, yes. It's, the, it's Luke's body double, actually. Is it? That's yes. my understanding, yeah. Okay. Very cool. He's in the credits okay. as the X-Wing pilot. Good, good. Did Did Favreau get a credit as being coming back as Paz Vizsla or whatever like whatever Vizsla he is? Because I looked at the, uh, the credits on the second time I watched it, and I didn't notice his name show up as a credit for on screen or voice that's a good that voice didn't really sound as much like him as it did in the previous one in season one amanda he's a busy guy so maybe he doesn't have time to do an extra voice here or there he's running like five different shows and making movies and all that kind of stuff d doc i can't help but to bring it up but do you think gina carano was supposed to be the other pilot of that x-wing no Mm, she was uh, never i don't think she was going to be an x-wing pilot now i do believe that she was like she's part of the rangers of the new new uh republic and all of that whole that whole rigmarole and they may be uh, pivoting to this um canadian actor who is the uh um the other pilot the the one who was basically the boss in this one they may be pivoting to him to be the lead but i don't think mm-hmm. she was ever meant to be an x-wing pilot i think she was meant to be the muscle when the x-wing pilots found whatever was going to happen so again, a little cross promotion by having them continuously come back in to be the yeah. lead. When we start that show, we'll be like, "Oh, we know these guys. They've 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 been around." Alfie, go it's ahead. Ponch and John. <laughs> this may be one of the most real world 
scenes in Star Wars. You got a planet full of drug smugglers, murderers, you know, there's assassination attempts, <laughs> you know, extortion, you name it is going on in this planet. And yeah, you Mando's get got a taillight out. Yeah, you get pulled over out in the sticks, you know, with your souped up hot rod that you just fixed up and you, you get pulled over for a registration violation because your your numbers don't match. I mean, that that's, to me, just so real world. And the fact that they didn't want to go back to the office and fill out the paperwork. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> well, and part of the problem obviously was that, that Mando had put that little sign on the back that said tag applied for, and you can't, <laughs> that's not legal. So lost plate. Yeah. Yeah. Place. yeah. Your dealer plate expired yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. Good Brent. I do have one technical gripe during that scene and they're usually pretty good because I feel like they shoot this in the volume and they're usually pretty good at making the background look like it's moving. However, when the, I don't know his name, so I apologize. The Canadian actor in the background, Tatooine stayed completely stationary and they're supposed to be flying and there's supposed to be some movement. And as I was watching it the second time, I noticed that Tatooine in the background was completely stationary and wasn't moving at all. Small, little technical gripe. Wow. The second time wasn't in your car, right? No. See, you could <laughs> see it that time. I was going to say, that was pretty impressive if you picked that up. I watched it one and a half times and I didn't see that. That's good. Go ahead, I couldn't believe how good the X-Wings look. Sorry, D-Doc. No, you're fine. But for a TV series... They may be outside of the Force Awakens the best X Wings. They were nice. D Doc hit it. They're, they're incredible. And one thing I wanted to comment on that we were talking about a little bit earlier about how this is such a Mandalorian episode in the middle of Boba Fett. This might be the format that we're going to see to tell the big story as far as the Ahsoka show goes and stuff like that. Like maybe we're going to see all these storylines tie into each other where like in the Ahsoka show, we might see an entire episode where like, who knows how everything ends right now, but like maybe we'll have a full episode with Boba Fett and Mando together. Who knows? Like, I mean, I, I think I, I know that this almost felt like the pilot of season three of Mandalorian, but at the same time, uh, this might just be how they're going to play out this in my opinion, Marvel universe of star Wars of shows that we're getting, which I freaking love. So me too. I, I think, you know, Alfie said it before. It's like long, it's a long post-credit thing in a Marvel movie, except it's just a full episode, right? Like we're getting a full episode, which could be the, the tag at the end of a Marvel movie. Um, Finnick shows up, which is great. I think, um, I think everybody's, you know, falling head over heels for Finnick and, and, and and then Garza Whip. I mean, I think the internet's a buzz with those two ladies being fifty-eight oh. years old and you know looking. Well, you not see fifty-eight years old. So you see the photo on the internet of Finnick and her uh, fire spray Leia outfit, and you say to yourself, Whew. <laughs> "You said fire spray Leia." Well, oh, I love that. You can't love say it. The other thing, so it's it's Hut Slayer. <laughs> it's Hut Slayer Leia. Okay. It's yeah. too late. I just put that together. That's so <laughs> um, you're right. I did. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's amazing. And it's, I mean, honestly, to think that, that those two ladies are like taking over Star Wars and, and, and Twitter verse and social media by storm, just by being very attractive ladies who are not in their 20 somethings and they're playing great roles. I mean, I think it's awesome. I think it's good for 
fans everywhere. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, so I do have a minor gripe with the character of Finnick Shan. I, she's not moving forward and she's not being developed as much as I would like to have seen. Cause I think D doc mentioned it beforehand that she was excited to see where the character would go. And there really isn't much other than, can we kill him? Can we kill him? Can we kill him? Which is funny, but like, I don't see her story as much as I was hoping to see. And that's a small gripe. I said, it's a small gripe, but I don't see it moving the way that I was hoping to see more of her story and more of her background. Alfie go. I think that is kind of more Boba's direction of where he's going. And I don't think she sees the big picture yet. I think we'll get there. I think right now she's content with, or really putting her focus into being a number two. And I, there's a part of me that thinks Boba's really not that concerned with being a number one. This is a long game for him. And she's kind of seeing the short game. That's an interesting way to look at that because she's kind of guiding him through the maze. So she's got she's got a certain skill set that she's utilizing, but yeah, it may not necessarily be there are times when she comes into conflict with him, and that that may be why. I I've I've thought that as we've gone through the progressive season that he might be grooming her to be that, hey, I'm gonna get this set up, and then I'm boom, Boba's gonna kick back and retire, maybe with some of the other old clones that are, you know, still hanging around and, and go the old clones home. <laughs> it's right. You know, I, I've done my thing and this is what she's known her whole life. This is what she's all about. She might be that, that next in line to take over uh, and, and be a leader of that house. But that some great points there. I, I did love that when he finds out it's for Boba, he says it's on the house. And then he finishes with, I got to go visit a little friend. And he did not mean go to the bathroom. This is true. Yes. But I mean, sometimes that's said. So, so leaving off this episode, I mean, like you said, season three of Mandalorian could happen between this episode and the the showdowns that go on with with Boba Fett at the end season or episode six and seven. But is there a chance we're going to see Grogu again this season, or is it going to happen in Mandalorian? I I thought this was a fantastic episode. It's got me more pumped and ready for episode six and seven of this now than I even was before, even though it wasn't focused on Boba Fett, but the, the, the world building was great. Go ahead, Brent. Um, I was just remembering as you were talking about this and the, the season three of the Mando happening between there, I might see one or two episodes, but I don't like, then they might jump past where Boba stops. Right. So I think mm-hmm. there could be a couple episodes and then jump past, but I was also thinking about our friend T Bob, mentioned before season two started that baby Grogu was going to be standing next to the Mandalorian and Mandalorian armor and in Beskar armor. And that seems to be coming to fruition, which is just insane, but that would be the coolest image. (laughs) And can you imagine the amount of plushies and the amount of material that would be sold with, uh, baby Grogu in Mandalorian armor, which I think they've already started doing anyway, but yeah, just the my mind was going there as we're talking. The amount that they will sell if they <laughs> show that character in a little Beskar outfit with a cape and I mean, it'll just blow things through the roof. So you're, you're right, making right. your own mashup character right there. Yes. Yes. Uh, somebody else hit me with some, some thoughts where we go from here or how it ended or anything like that. 
Well, I can't help but to think, is, are we going to see Din help him with this battle now? Because if he's if he's got to go, it's like, well, Boba's got a lot of stuff going on right now. Like, And that's exactly what I thought in that scene. So, I mean... I kind of hope that Mando season three isn't that like maybe we could see like a quick flash of Mando visiting Grogu and seeing that he's okay and then going back to help Boba. But like he's got to be there for this Star Wars. Uh, see, I keep I keep thinking of this uh, show as Avengers Civil War, where we're getting this battle of like these awesome characters pitted against each other. and. Din's got to be in this battle, right? Because he said it's on the house. He's going to be there. So are we going to yeah. see this little meetup in this show? Scott and Alfie. They don't, they don't put that little Grogu seat in the fighter for him to not ride in it. <laughs> I mean, they just, yeah. they don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, they don't set up the little Beskar creation for little Grogu without paying that off. And again, whether they pay that off, in season three of Mando or they pay it off. But I, I feel like if he's going now to go see Grogu, there's something is going to happen between those episodes. And what I feel like we get is he shows up with him in the ship, mm. probably in his little armor thing, whatever it is that he's had made. I almost felt like, cause he saw these little ringlets drop down. I almost felt like he had mail, like, like yes. mail made for him. I thought the same like, thing, like Beskar mail because he'd grow out of the armor. Nice. Um, like Frodo. Yeah, well, That's there you like go. Exactly what I thought of right away was Frodo's chainmail that he had in yeah. Lord of the Rings. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like, and again, I do think maybe it's not the whole season, Brent. Maybe you're right on that. But I feel like some of Mando season three is going to happen between these two episodes, between this week and next week. And it's going to be him going and him ending up. I think Grogu ends up choosing to not be a Jedi, but choosing to be a Mandalorian instead. Ooh. And then we will have. A Mandalorian who has Jedi sensitivity, just like Tar Vizsla all those years ago. So, and it may be, and it may be that he needs it for the dark saber. He may need Grogu to get him through the dark saber stuff. Go ahead, Alf. Okay, D Doc. Here's one thing to make you feel a little bit better about this: there is no time constraint in Star Wars because if you go back and remember the Rise of Skywalker, that entire movie was only happened in a time frame of 16 hours. <laughs> so we can do all kinds of stuff. You can go to as many planets as you want, talk to as many people as you want, <laughs> organize a gigantic galactic fleet and still be less than a day. So he's got plenty of time. Depends on what planet you're on. Time. I feel better about don't it. Put, don't you put that time. <laughs> 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 it all comes full circle. Don't you Once do that again. to me, Ricky Bobby? Yeah. Oh, I mean, gosh. You can literally blow up three stars at the same time from in different systems <laughs> with one blast within just a very few minutes. So, yeah, I think I think we'll be okay. That's it. That's we'll be good. fine. Okay. Okay. Um, hey, I tell you what, we buzzed through it. We, we whipped around, hit a little bit of everything on Book of Boba Fett, episode five. Any closing thoughts? We'll get your closing thoughts and anything you want to hit on before we go. Let's start with Brent Dykeman. Let's. I'm just pulling out the randomizer here. Brent, put it up on screen. I see him. Little so, Yoda. So Yoda finally got released to the U.S. Um, a couple weeks ago. I did a short video. D-Doc was going to edit it up. 
Um, you can take as much out as you want, but it took me about 10 minutes to assemble this guy and probably about 15 minutes to paint him because he's so small. Um, wearing shades? <laughs> um, not really, but he's kind of oh. like shaded so you can see the wrinkles and it's not the ah. greatest. But he Ooh. also came out with his Kashyyyk friends. Um, and this is this is a battle shield Wookiee. Um, they come as miniatures. I don't know if it's uh, Star Wars Legion is the name of the game. Um, they come as gray plastic models. So you're model building and then you paint them up um, however you would like. So I painted the Wookiees up and that's just kind of the two new additions to the Star Wars Legion. Um, other than that, I enjoyed the Mandalorian uh, episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Book of Boba Fett episode. Um, however, it was nothing but filler. It, um, I mean, didn't really move. Didn't really move oh, the story God. forward. Didn't, I, it didn't. There, it didn't really move the Boba Fett story forward. I'm still wondering if that Rancor is going to come and eat Boba because I think there's a sinister side to him. I don't trust the. I don't trust the huts. Um, I haven't had a chance to say that. I don't trust the gift from the huts. I'm sorry. Okay. So. Yeah, it's kind of okay. the Trojan hut. Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah. Uh, let's go to. I love the pun. I love the pun, but yes, I agree. <laughs> Nick Shesky, closing thoughts, my friend. Man, I love this episode. It just gets me more like this is everything that I've bought in for for Star Wars. So excited. Uh, I got all my Star Wars stuff out of storage today from my parents house just serendipitously was over there today and said, you know what, I'm going to get this all out. So I'm officially in the basement now, not in the uh, kidnapped trailer that y'all thought I was in before. And so the hope is that by the time we jump on the next one, I've officially claimed this corner it's the only corner of my house that I've claimed, but that it will have Star Wars paraphernalia up on it next time that we get on. That that sounds great. And we are glad you were here and, and uh, keep us updated with those little ones and, uh, well, you know, that fun household you're in right now. D-Doc, let's go to you, my friend. All right. Uh, two things. Number one, I'm getting more excited about this convention that we're going to. I'm like hyped up to go to it. I've never flown by myself before, so I will be flying by myself for the first time to meet you guys at this convention, which I'm wow. very excited about. Yeah, I've, I've only flown with my wife and my family. And number two, I think I finally need to set this up, the Hot Toys Mando. Oh, I think yeah. I finally need to open the damn box and set this thing up after this episode. So I've only looked at it in the plastic I want to get a cover for it. I don't want it to get any dust on it. I have animals in my house, but that episode was just like, I need to get this freaking thing set up behind me for these shows. So cannot wait. I love the that. episode. Good, good. Cannot wait to see it. I'm glad you could join us. And yeah, we're, we're all pumped about that. Well, I'll hit more on that before we close out. Alfie, hit me with your closing thoughts. Closing thought. Give me a minute here because I've been thinking about this all day. Watching this okay. episode. Mando, the armor, all that talk about Mandalore got me thinking this all started from us loving a 3.75 inch figure that we'd never seen in a movie before, had no idea. Everyone loved this character so much. In the EU, we wrote a backstory all the way back to the Knights of the Old Republic. Comic books books, video games, whatever, into the prequels, the Clone Wars, Jango Fett, even more, more and more and more story. This, this guy's story just keeps going and going and going so much to where we've created this lore now that he's not even a real Mandalorian anymore. <laughs> the Mandalorians were created off of an action figure. 
and he's not even one anymore. And this is how far this story has gone and how much we love this character. And I love every minute of this. I'm hyped as hell for the convention. I can't wait. And I really can't wait to see where this series goes. And as far as that, all of the series, because I still feel they're all going to tie together. Every series is going to have an episode like this. one. Preach, baby. Preach. Amen. I love it. Um, hey, let's finish off with our special guest tonight, Mr. Scott Rifen, who was wearing his Boba Fett Columbia jacket, and he's got a Boba Fett shirt on as we finish the show. Scott, any closing thoughts that you want to hit before we break away here? Yeah, first, uh, D-Doc, do understand when you are flying by yourself, they will make you empty all of your weapons into a box before you get on the <laughs> plane. So don't don't take anything you don't want to you know put aside for a little bit. Um, my The biggest thing I want to say after this episode is more Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Uh, she's been very successful in Mandalorian. This is, as I mentioned earlier, it's the best looking episode. I think it's the best one. Uh, from a storytelling perspective of the entire season. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it, I think it's got the best flow. I think it looks the most star Wars. Um, it, it, she just has the right visual sensibilities. She has the right way with the actors. She has the right way with, with saying, you know, we've got some expository dialogue. We need some other business here in order to make this, uh, make it palatable, make it not feel like, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like when you go to the dentist and they numb you, you know, the, a lot of expository scenes feel like you're just getting drilled without the, uh, you know, without the anesthetic, this actually is them going, Hey, let's, let's make this visually interesting. Let's make this a star Wars tale being told, you know, it's a fairy tale and we're going to tell a good fairy tale. We're going to tell it interestingly. We're not going to bore people. We're not going to put them to sleep. And then uh, again, what she's done visually has just been very true to Star Wars, and and while giving us new things, I mean, we've never seen a meat locker in Star Wars, <laughs> but when she gave us one, we said, yeah, okay, that's a Star Wars meat locker, we're good with that. In fact, I'm waiting for the playset with the giant sides of whatever that is hanging <laughs> up there. But uh, yeah, so again, my summary of the episode just is more Bryce Dallas Howard, please. Well, I I couldn't agree more, and I think all of us here are in agreement on that, and. You know what, if there are ever new Star Wars movies, which who knows, but if yeah, there are, she she definitely should be at the top of the list to say, hey, take what you've done on the small screen and go go do that and expand on it into a movie uh, showing us what you know about Star Wars because she's doing a I'll, great job. I'll trade Patty Jenkins for her in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I will say this. There's a reason why we have these co-hosts on here is because they are fun. They know what they're talking about and they make Star Wars a better community and more fun. So you guys, I can't thank you enough for being here. And there's a reason why we have guys like Scott Rifen on because he knows what he's talking about and he's entertaining. And you know what? It's just fun for us to sit around and talk a little Star Wars. So thank you to all of you guys. And, and thank you to the listeners and followers who have paid attention to us for 121 episodes, because um, if you weren't, we could just stop doing this and just, do it in a text chain like we do every day already. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's more fun when we get to do this and laugh out loud. And um, yeah, so a couple things we are doing. Um, I am, I'm working on some merch. I should have some t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, maybe hats, long sleeve tees, all in the works. Alfie's working on some stickers and magnets. We should have that fairly soon. So if you're interested, let me know. Shoot us a message at Star Wars, uh, Rule of the Galaxy 
sw at gmail.com. Don't send it to starwars.com. They don't want the, they won't make that for you. Um, but um, we are looking April 29th through May 1st to go to the ICCC in Nashville, the ICC con. Uh, Ian McDermott is going to be there. So uh, there's a chance we're going to meet the emperor, which would be awesome. And going all the way back to the beginning of the show, Timothy Zahn is going to be at the show. And I'm losing my mind because after Heir to the Empire, you guys have all heard the story before, I wrote him a handwritten letter telling him how much I loved it and telling him how much I loved Star Wars. He wrote me a letter back, signed the whole thing. It was one of my most treasured things. And then right after that, we moved and my dad threw the letter away. So I've reached out to him. He said, sorry, I don't really write a lot of letters right now, but you know, hopefully we can meet up. Well, Mr. Zahn, hopefully that will be happening in Nashville and meeting him will make up for the lost letter. So um, guys, thank you again. As always, follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter. Email us with thoughts about merch. And if you can make it to the convention in Nashville at Rule the Galaxy SW at gmail.com. Follow us at Rule the Galaxy on Facebook and YouTube. And until next week, when we'll have Steve Glosson on. So Scott, you'll listen in and hear him probably say some things about you, I'm sure. But <laughs> Until then, may the force be with you.